Welcome to What's Your Revolution, a show dedicated to helping men understand and embrace a healthier masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. I grew up in a household with a mother and a grandmother who found their strength in the word. Thus, as a child and teenager, I was in church every Sunday. I wasn't big on the word as they were. I took my father's laissez-faire approach, go, be seen, and let the word fall upon you at service, and then wait patiently for it to fall again the same way the next week. <laughs> However, the church also provided me with community, friendship, and the type of leadership training I needed as a budding young man. I was able to lead the service a number of times, standing in front of hundreds of people and boisterously stating, might the people of God please stand. These opportunities built my confidence. I remember several years ago, I had the opportunity to go back to my church in Virginia and speak. And as I moved to the lectern, I thought to myself, I was built for this, by this. My early masculine ideals were formed at First Baptist Butte Street. I watched my father escort my mother in every Sunday. I watched other fathers take care of their children. I watched two pastors, different in nature, summon their flock to do God's work. As I have grown older, I have shied away from the church, spending much less time in a place that gave me so much joy as a child and as an adolescent. I have become spiritual, not religious, a colloquialism for just, I just don't go at this point. But hopefully, as I journey on this road to a healthier masculinity, I might one day find my way back to that solemn place. I am fortunate today to talk about the confluence of masculinity and religion with two of New Orleans' most recognizable men of faith, Prince Lau Henderson, and Bishop Lester Love. Good morning, gentlemen. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Good morning, good day, good afternoon. <laughs> good morning to you. Good day to you, good afternoon to you. As we ask, man, I'm, I'm so appreciative to have you both here. As we ask all of our guests the first question, um, what's your revolution? How are you attempting to transform yourself that leads to a larger revolution? All right, I'll go first since uh, the, the, the bishop is pushing me up here. <laughs> um, transforming. Um, first of all, um, my, my transforming happens every morning. <clears throat> um, I, I, I've always been a believer that God allows us to see only a glimpse of what we are to be as we go along this journey. And... Um, Mine is is always looking at what the task is for the day. Many times I find that my tasks define who I am and they develop me in the ways that I need to be developed at that moment. So a, a lot of times the revolution is not so much as look at the journey, but look at the task. Um, because, um, you know, compassionate people do compassionate things. Caring people do caring things. You don't get labeled a compassionate person by doing things opposite of that. And so in order to transform yourself, you have to fully be in the moment, in the moment. as I heard somebody talk about. 
And um, I tell my six-year-old that sometimes. I'm like, stay in the moment. He's like, what are we doing next? Where are we going? You know, <laughs> stay in the moment. That's that's what, and, and sometimes I start it off. I say, stay. He's like, I know, in the moment. You know? <laughs> because we, um, we, we come here wanting to know what's next. We come here wanting to know um, what what is my next move? What what do I do after that? You know, and we haven't fully lived in the moment where we are, and I think it's just kind of like a pamphlet. I think God shows us one panel at a time, right. because the Almighty would really blow our mind if He showed us all the panels at once. Wow. Um, there are many things that we are to accomplish, and many things that we are to do in service to one another. That I think. It, it really will transform us, but it scares us if we know it in advance. So it's, it's better that we're in that moment and every single day that transformation happens because we are committed to do what we're supposed to do for right. that day. Right. So you're showing your, your six-year-old yeah. right there, your revolution, yeah. staying in the moment. And you're passing that on. Absolutely. Bishop, please, what's your revolution? I believe, first of all, I totally agree with Lyle in, in that... Um, it's critical to live in the now, uh, in the very present moment that is, because it's the only time that's true to us. Um, the future doesn't exist because it hasn't happened yet. In the past is in the past. The only time it's true is right now. Ten minutes from now, it'll be now. A year from now, it'll be now. It's the only time that's true to us. So I think it is critical that we live in the moment. Um, and when we look at revolution, um, it is, a, to me, a system or people that um, that wants a new system, a social order that wants a new system. So, because everything works better in a system, um, your urinary system, your respiratory system. So, um, I believe it's critical that we live our lives the same way in a system. And so, I wake up every morning with the idea of how can I constantly renew the five systems of my life, mm-hmm. um, which are first of all spiritual system. Uh, there's an order to, to to be spiritual, not religious, um, to live. Uh, how do I constantly renew my mental system? What am I reading? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? Um, that I constantly look for new ways to improve and make my relational system better, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a relationship with my wife, my children, my church, my family, my friends, or my perceived enemies and many times what we call an enemy uh, is really a friend that decided to be honest with you right Ooh, uh, preach preach my my physical system uh, look at you the way you dress i can tell that you that you attune to your physical system mm. that we have to take better care of our physical bodies that we that we get the body moving that we drink water mm. that we eat right and then of course that i have uh, constantly renewing my financial system mm. how do i take better care uh, of all of the increase that comes into my hand. How, how do I manage that as a manner? So I look at it spiritually, mentally, relationally, physically, and financially. Brothers and sisters, if you heard that, that's a manifesto for you right there. If, you, <laughs> if you're not living your life, you know, and looking at your five systems, that's poignant, brother. You know, I've never heard it put like that. And you think about that revolution because to grow in all of those systems, you have to continue to transform. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you put that in a manner, it's almost like a roadmap. Not even almost like a roadmap. It is a roadmap. It is a roadmap. You begin your day. So just embellish, you know, just unpack that a little bit more. Your, your morning ritual. What does that look like for you? 
Uh, my morning ritual starts the night before. Okay. Um, because I do my best to be in bed early and to, and to read something on paper uh, versus my cell phone, my iPad, my computer, because that messes with your eyes and helps in, in, uh, and hurts you in your nighttime of sleep. So it begins the night before. I do my best to have the room completely black, no television, uh, no lights at all. Um, set the temperature at like 68 degrees, which they, which they say is optimum temperature uh, to sleep in. Uh, so it begins the night before. Right. And it, and it starts in the early in the morning. Uh, early shall I seek thee. Uh, and before I do anything, before I check a text message or check my post or go to my line, uh, I make sure that I spend uh, 20 minutes a day in complete solitude uh, because we are addicted to noise. The radio, or the television, or the text messages. Right, we're right. so addicted to noise. So early in the morning, isn't it amazing that you hear everything early in the morning? Everything. The birds chirping, the dogs barking, the trucks going by, everything. That sound is there at 4 o'clock in the morning, and the same sound is there at 4 o'clock in the evening. Right. But you're more aware when it's quiet. Right. So you spend quiet time uh, just, just hearing. Um, so... That I can that I can hear that I can that I can manage my spiritual systems, which which includes uh, my reading time, my study time, uh, my time in solitude, absolute solitude that I'm able to hear, my prayer time, and I take care of all of that uh, early in the morning. Uh, for the word says, "Early shall I seek thee." So, time in solitude, time in my word, uh, and time reading something, uh, be it spiritual or secular. Uh, to to start my day, and then after that, uh, it's time to get my girls together. <laughs> uh, I drink my breakfast every morning. Right. It's better to drink your breakfast than to eat your breakfast. Right. Um, take care of my girls, bring my girls to school, then I'm off to the gym and start the rest of my day. Right, right. But that that solitude, that solace, mm -hmm. is interesting. You say because we think we don't think about again the system, mm -hmm. and where those upstream approaches in that system are. You think about that your your day began the night before and how you set that up. And you think about the chaotic lives that we live. Mm -hmm. You know, you leading your flock. You, you know, you leading your flock, Prince. <laughs> Interesting, I'm going to come back to that. Um, you leading your flock. But how you begin, how you end your day is actually how you're going to start the next day. Mm -hmm. And we think about that chaotic nature that plays out. And if you're not ready, how do we? How does that day unfold, and then how do we actually handle it? Because we get out of that present moment. If, is that what I'm hearing? We get out of that present moment because we're so we're so worried about the chaos that has now come upon us mm -hmm. that we haven't had that time that that quiet time to really say, you know what, to take that moment. Well, one of the things that I'm I'm glad that uh, Bishop Love brought in the the night before. Um, because it, 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 it really revolutionizes the next day. It really does. Um, and, and many times we approach things thinking that we just jump into it. You know? And I think, I think he connected the missing link of what I was saying earlier is what I didn't say is that you, you know, even when you have a task before you, you have to analyze it. You have to think about it before. You have to have some quiet time to really understand it so that you don't miscarry what the task is. Right, also. right. Because a lot of times that's, you know, without that quiet time, without that solitude, you, you end up misinterpreting what it is that you're supposed to do 
and then you don't get transformed and then you don't touch the people that you're supposed to touch or you don't touch them in the way that you're supposed to touch right, them. Right, right. Yeah. What I've noticed um, is those times that I have when I am particular about my practice, about my morning meditation, you know, my day as you, is much calmer. But when I, when I don't have that particular practice day in and day out, I feel the chaotic, you know, the chaos of the day. I'm not handling it like I should. I think you said it correctly that um, you feel the chaos that day. Um, because when, you are, when you're locked in um, from a spiritual perspective first, then the chaos is still there. It just doesn't affect you. Right, right, right. It just doesn't take you out of alignment. Out of alignment. Uh, to, your, to your vision. Your mission pushes you to your vision. So it, it doesn't shake you that day. It is... Right, and, right. And I'm, because I practice being there, mm -hmm. I treat my life like an ocean. That at the top of the ocean, waves and billows and boats and jet skis and people swimming at the top of the ocean. But as you go down to the center of the ocean, everything is calm. Calm. Just moving along. See, and the top of the ocean doesn't stop the middle of the ocean. Right. The middle of the ocean doesn't stop the top. It's just always calm. Right. And so when I practice that, when something comes in my life to throw me off alignment, because whatever is off alignment, it always gears to the negative. Right. 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 If I get the ultimate, the ultimate thing being out of alignment is a flat tire. Mm -hmm. But when that, if it, the tires goes flat, then everything pulls in that direction. So, but if I'm in alignment, and I start off that day in that space, then when stuff does happen, whether it be with my kids or my wife or my family or my church or a friend is in need or a homeless person, whatever the case may be, I'm able to manage it better, and I just don't feel or allow the negativity to come in right. and take me out of my space. Right. You know, it, it reminds me, when he says that, it reminded me of the, the just a quick old adage that says, you know, sometimes God calms the storm, but there are times when he allows the storm to rage, but he calms his child. Right. You know, that, that, Interesting that you say that. He's talking about the ocean. Right. You know, because things can happen all around you, but you don't have to react to it, and you don't have to become unaligned right. because of it. Yeah. We're having church up in here today. You're listening to uh, WBOK 1230 AM. This is the What's Your Revolution show with your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. I'm here with two of my good friends, Prince Lyle Henderson and Bishop Lester Love. And we're just talking about religion right now, how spirituality. Do you, how do you start your day? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> what does a perfect day in the morning look like to you? For me, uh, um, getting up. And having that quiet time, I'll go down. Uh, I've got a, a, a 10-year-old pit bull who wakes when I wake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she wants to go out. Um, but if she allows me before she gets up and wants to go out, I will go down uh, stairs and sit quietly. And um, I have the newest technology, Alexa. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I what I will do is I will say, Alexa, set a timer for 15 minutes. And so that's my time to sit on my couch and pray and meditate. When I do that regularly, you know, then I'll move to my tea and move to, you know, my email and everything. But if I don't have that time, you know, I, like I said, I notice that my day is more chaotic. I know that I'm not at peace with myself. I'll have my, it, moving on to that perfect day, I'll have my tea, I'll answer my emails, I'll eat a little breakfast, 
go to the gym, you know, get that, get that out of the way. And then I'm moving. Now I've meditated. I've been quiet. I've pushed. Now I've got my body flowing. I've got my mind flowing. Somewhat in that, you know, that, that, those five pillars that you talked about earlier. But I need to be, and I think many brothers, uh, hopefully who are listening to the show, need to think more critically about how they can structure that morning. That, you know, because we, as black men, handle so much stress, racism, discrimination, you know, job stress. You know, uh, Lyle and I used to, <laughs> used to work together, um, you know, and that place could be kind of stressful. And how do we handle those everyday stresses if we haven't started, you know? Um, I want to move away a little bit to get more about you all as men and, and, and your walk. Can you just tell me a little bit, because I believe that you all are God's conduit. You know, and how, you know, your walk influences others. How do you get to? How did you get to this point in your life where you became God's conduit? Well, I have the I have the distinct privilege, the honor, um, to be able to be a part of of media, and um, the traditional idea of media, of course, in radio, but also to disseminate information and. Um, and it's 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 funny that you you get to a point where God gives you the name and the reputation, and um, and it's up to you to recognize the responsibility of it. You know, to carry that good name, to be able to speak out on certain things, to be able to be an activist when it's necessary, to be able to be um, compassionate when it's necessary, or to even rally others when it's necessary. I find that um, that in, in terms of being a conduit, um, God has allowed me to, to, to be one of those that people uh, want to know, what do you think about it? You know, what, what's, what, what is it that you think about what's going on and, and, and what does it mean to us and so forth? Um, so even when I'm, I'm on stage doing music or when I'm on the air, um, you know, even even the calls that I get, the live calls when I'm doing my live show, um, you know, people want to uh, talk off the air and they want to know, what do you think about this? You know, right. I, I, I think and I, I, I told this to um, um, to several ministers. I said, I consider myself an evangelist, um, just not in the traditional sense of the word. Um, I, I consider myself an evangelist because I'm, I'm constantly one on one with somebody. And I feel that um, my win is always in that one conversation. You know, if I pass somebody and they say, hey, I know you, you used to do this. And then the conversation goes the other way and we walk away and they're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like I have made that difference and that God allowed me to walk that path to be able to do that. So whether it's in music and I've, I've always juggled, um, you know, several careers. So I've always juggled I've been in, in, in higher ed and in music and radio. And and then all the other side things that I have to do, the other tasks. Um, I feel that sometimes God puts people in your path uh, for specific reasons that you need for that day or that week right. or that season in your life. And um, I, I I'm not always I have preached and, you know, I was ordained in 1991. A lot of people didn't know that. But that's not where my ministry always takes me you right. know I've tell tell the audience together. tell the world who's listening what your ministry is cuz <laughs> we 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 know we know that you are a superstar it's, it's, here in new orleans but we got people around the world listening to this you know <laughs> 
Prince Lyle Henderson. Well, you know, you know, I, I always laugh when I hear the whole, you know, celebrity superstar, all that stuff, because you know, you can you can be a superstar to uh, to your kids, and everybody else is like, who, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I always say you become superstar to people that you touch their heart. You know, that's that's how you become their superstar. Right. Um, but um, but I have for 27 years this year, I'm, I'm celebrating 27 years in radio. Right. Um, I've worked literally for almost every station that has any kind any kind of um, religious programming or inspirational programming in the city of New Orleans. And uh, over those years, um, I've been in music for 20 years. Um, I've done a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, I, I, I did uh, two CDs, and um, they are, uh, I'll do my shameless commercial. Yeah, please, please. On <laughs> iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all the digitals, and uh, and in some of the stores. Like Go out and find Prince Lyle yes, Henderson. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I have enjoyed um, quite um, a, a wonderful... Um, few decades, the the few years that I've been here, I've enjoyed the support of many of my locals as well as when I've traveled abroad and uh, traveled around the country. Um, have been involved in a few movies, a few films. Um, the Disney's Princess and the Frog, we did the music for that. Oh, wow. As well as um, Kevin Costner's Black and White, uh, we did that. And uh, there are a number of other things that we're working on with the uh, Son of a Saint Foundation. Right. I've written some songs. Who knew and, we were sitting um, next to so a millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> I've received that. i received that. And soon to be billionaire. Yes. Right. i received yes. that, too. Um, I received the things you didn't say. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that my, my ministry is, um, just like I talked about that pamphlet, um, I... Even in in school, when when I was in high school and even on Xavier's campus, I never ever I, I was one of those I wouldn't call a jack of all trades, but but I was able to master by seasons the things that God wanted me to master. Right, and so I've always juggled several, and I, I just have one of those A type personalities that have to have several things going on, uh, kind of like you know these superstar pastors. You yeah. Know, that, that, uh, well, and I put my as I put my hand on Bishop Lester Love, um, <laughs> that you know has his hand in everything, but but the centering, if I can bring that back to that, because that that really blessed me, the centering that that quiet time and being able to start off and being able to plan the the night before even prepare yourself for the next day, it allows you to to juggle properly. Right. It allows right. you to function while you're juggling. Because, um, you know, there are a lot of things that we do have coming at us, and it's okay for that to happen on a regular basis. But you have to be centered. You have to be in place, in position. The tree has all sorts of elements coming against it, but it stands because it's rooted. It right. doesn't stand because it loves water or it loves wind or it loves whatever the, the elements are for that season. It stands because it's rooted. So right. that, that quiet time, that, 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 uh, that time there. So my ministry is always reaching people in, in whatever way I can do that. And, and to be able to, to stand, I love to say that you know, every scripture doesn't have to apply to us. He talked about, you know, the, the, the perceived haters and so forth. I always talk about, I said, you know, if you have any haters, because I still say if, if you have any haters, 
why focus on them? Right. I, you know, and, 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 and we're, we're such a people that, you know, we get to the point, and even as men, we get to the point where we start to grasp onto cliches and, you know, and so forth. And it's like, oh, my haters. And then, you know, and it sounds like <laughs> a wonderful thing. And so then eventually something else will come and it'll push all that back. But I've never joined that bandwagon because I, I've never felt the wrath of, of haters. And if, if I have any, I don't focus on them right. because I'm taking the focus off of the ones who love me and support me, and they have for the last 27 years or so. Wow. And so I'm, I'm thankful. Well, we're happy. You know, you've been spreading your message. Bishop, how did you, you know, think about, you know, that place where I'm going to become the spread of God's word, you know, your mission? My mission? Mm-hmm. Um, my mission is threefold. Uh, number one, uh, it's to love. Number two, it's to live. Number three is to inspire. And with the hopes that I'm able to share my gift, because I think your gift is the thing that moves someone's emotions in the right place right. to the right level. So I think that's what you give, which is different from your talent. Um, I think sometimes we get it kind of mixed up. Your talent. Uh, can make someone feel good for a little while, but it really doesn't change them. And your gift is something in you that causes the emotional needle to move in somebody else in a positive way. So mine is threefold, uh, to live, to love, live, and inspire with the hopes that I can share it with somebody else, that they're able to share it with somebody else. Uh, if, you, if you have any gift, then your gift should inspire somebody to pass the gift on right. to somebody else. That's the revolution. Yes, and then keep coming. Exactly. And keep coming back. Exactly. Uh, so it's it's simple for me to, mm. to, to love um, unconditionally, um, to live at its fullest, uh, and to inspire or inspirit uh, other people. Right. Love that. Love that. As this show is, is about healthy masculinity, and I wanted the audience to understand who you are as men of faith and I want to know really how do you all view healthy masculinity from a religious or spiritual context what does that look like from a religious or spiritual context I think um, the look of masculinity from a spiritual context is as diverse as the look of every individual. Um, usually, the masculinity comes out of confidence, um, and 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 my thing, I guess, you know, I speak from from the entertainment side, you know, from the the media, from the the stage, where um, there there is a, a a sense of masculinity in spirituality where you are so strong and confident in what you are doing um, that it comes across that you're, you're not viewed in a gender and you're not viewed in a state of even a weakness of that gender, but you're viewed in what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times I think what happens is the focus leaves the purpose 
especially when we are presenting and 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 trying to attempting to inspire and to to feel because that's that's what we do uh, whether it's on the stage or whether it's on the pulpit we are trying to actually pour into other people so that they can go out and achieve their potential so that they can go out and and uh, realize their potential and, and achieve that purpose and so um i think in terms of what it looks like it looks like confidence. It looks like um, I'm, I'm sure in what my gift is, what my purpose is. I'm not just kind of doing something for, for the moment. That is the only time to not be doing something just for the moment, but to realize that this is more than this. This is bigger than this. Uh, it's bigger than me just doing a song. When I do this song, this delivery has to be right. Um, I have to feel the lyrics. I have to be in this moment. Uh, there was an older uh, church mother when I was a teenager, and she said, honey, if you don't feel it, nobody else will. Right, right. And, and, and so, you know, the, the whole thing that has carried me is that, uh, and, and my mom used to say, be a sponge, whatever you do. Because I was like, mom, I, I, don't, I don't know what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to go into mass comm, but I want to do this. I want to do business. I want to do. And, and so, um, you know, there was a, um, my very first business manager as an artist. He was a, a Jewish guy that um, knew nothing about gospel, but he knew about business. And, and that's what he taught me. And he's like, you have to do a company. So that's, that's how I did, you know, Pinnacle Entertainment. And, you know, it's, it's been surviving for that long and 27 Pinnacle years gospel choir and wow. you know so forth and we're on soundtracks and you know we were able to do other things and 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 here's the key is that your confidence allows others to be drawn to you and and at that point you 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 are to continue to transform yourself as you, you talked about transforming you continue to transform yourself and that confidence helps you to be able to realize your legacy because your legacy is always in people behind you it's always in mentoring it's always in in trying to pull somebody else up and and that is a part of the legacy whether like i said whether it's a pulpit or it's the stage or whether it's the microphone over airwaves um you know uh you know it, it, it still is about the confidence in your purpose. Right. Why are you here? What are you doing while you're here? And why are you here? Yeah. Thank you, brother. You're listening to WBOK 1230 AM. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporu. Here with two good friends, Bishop Lester Love, Prince Lau Henderson. We talk about masculinity and religion. You know, And having that question is, why does a belief in a higher power correlate with a healthy masculinity. Bishop, what do you, why do you think believing in a higher power, having faith, breathes that confidence that Prince Lau just talked about? Why is it necessary to have that belief? That's a good question. Um, there's so many ways to answer that. Without, um, let me not say without, um, with the understanding of that there has to be a God. Now, whatever your path is to God, mm -hmm. that's up to you. Right. I, I happen to be a Christian, but I don't knock the Buddhist or the Muslim 
that's just my path. I would love you to be on my path. We can all get on the path together. We can right. get on the path. We still can be cool. Um, that at the height of humility is to say that there's somebody bigger and better than I am that does not have flesh. Because as soon as you put it in flesh, it weakens that particular power. So it has to be. Um, my, my model happens to be Jesus, uh, but he was only here 33 years because he lived in flesh right. uh, with all that he did. Um, turned the world upside down with 12 people in three years. Um, so I, I believe it, it shows a sense of humility that men have to have because there's got to be somebody that is that is that is looking out for you, that is overseeing you. And I don't fully understand God. If I did, I would be God. Um, so I, all I can say to um, to the men who may be listening, who who ha have this struggle with spirituality and even even with church, and I think much of the problem with that is the challenge with that is with men is that men don't understand that we're both X and Y. <laughs> We're both. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Yeah, Lilla, you go. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to drill down on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we're both. We're both. We're both male and female chromosomes. Women. Women have two X's. We have X and Y. Right. So, in order for men to really understand this whole thing of spirituality, you have to tap into the other chromosome. Mm. You have to tap into. You have to tap into your emotions. Um, energy moving. You have to tap into that in order to understand that you can't understand everything. That you can't be in charge of everything. Can't dominate. You, you can't. You have, you have to understand that there is a female side of me. That's why the Bible gave the description of Adam and Eve. Right. It was a description. Nobody was there. Moses, you know, Job had to be the first book of the Bible, right? It had to be because he was the only... So all of this was inter was an interpretation to help us understand that that men that women can come out of men and men can come out of men, okay. So in order for us to be able to submit to this spirituality and understand that I have an emotional side that needs to be touched. Now the challenge with the church is that sometimes we just went too far to the left on the emotional side, with, without the structure and without the teaching side and giving me the understanding side. Now. When you come to a church like mine or like Lyle's church, you, you you're gonna get both. You're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna learn. We're gonna develop, and what our hopes is that you'll feel better when you leave than you did when you came. Right. Um, because then there was one sector that took out all the emotions. That's right. But in, it's not about feelings. It's not about emotion. But it is about emotion. Because it the word just gave emotion, you that structure. You've got to do this, this, and yeah, this. No, it's, it, it's, you got a B flat organ somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right? You know what I'm saying? Man, I'm just sitting there. You know? like, See, they did—they did me the injustice because I got to share this. This is really bad. See, I had to interrupt him because he was just. He was no, no, let explode. him go. Let him go. Listen, let him listen, go. The, 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 the thing that he talked about, and, and I was wondering if we were going to get to that point, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, even, um, even the, the perceived notion that if if i am a church boy if if i'm if i grew up in the church you know i'm i'm not as 
masculine as the other person if i if i chose the the choir path rather than the the basketball path you know i'm 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 playing the football and i'm playing the basketball but i'm really not into it i'm just doing it just because that's where my friends are and i really don't want them to call me the choir boy and you don't belong in this group and you don't um but but to really allow men to understand that you are both parts uh, because number one, there's the tri part, you know, there's the, the spirit, the body, the soul. And in order to touch both of those, you have to touch both of the X and the Y. And and it's OK that if you have this emotionalism in church and you have this structure in church and you have this confidence in church, it's OK that if it gets to the point where you want to cry, it's all right. It's OK that if you get to the point where you want to dance around and you want to you want to, you know, really show your emotions, it's OK. And it's also OK if you just want to stand there. Right. You know, so you're saying that we've got to kind of restructure that yeah. image of black masculinity in church. Because what, what I've heard is emotion, vulnerability, which comes up every week on the show, you know, and how the pastor has to then model that behavior so that men will say, you know what, this is what it means to be healthy. I have the title of pastor at, at our church, and I understand it, um, but I am... In church, during church, I'm the leader, and we're, we're experiencing worship. So I'm the worship leader. I lead worship. I may not, a pastor may not sing, but you're still the leader of the worship experience, whatever that looks like. Right. So, and I'm not, we're not asking anybody to get outside of their personality. You know, if, if, if you're the pastor and you're not as uh, demonstrative as I am, that's okay, but you're still leading worship. I'm leading worship by who I get to sing or who I, who I get to read or to preach. I'm leading that experience even if I can't, even if I can't do it. Let me, let, me, let, me just, let me just say this. Just like, you know, you know with Isabel, I, I've seen her minister and I've seen um, uh, many of our artists minister. I've always said that, you know, whenever I do praise and worship, uh, which is which is a, a large part of the beginning of the service. It, it sets the atmosphere most of the time for the worship services. Um, I always say that I am a marriage counselor um, in that moment uh, because the church is considered God's bride. And most of the time what happens is, no, no, most of the time it, 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 it's like we have, we have disconnected our relationship with God and, and it's just like men and their wives, sometimes they don't want to show the softer side unless they get a wife that really promotes that and say, it's okay, you know, it's all right. You, you, can, you can be that and I'll, I'll be the forefront today and I'll, I'll make that decision today. Tomorrow you make the decision, whatever it calls for at that moment. That then the, the, the man, the male figure, that head, that priest, that prophet of that home has to be that. He has to be prepared to be that. He has to be structured to be that. And so when I'm in worship, um, I, I look at and, and a lot of times in the spiritual realm. That's why I love the fact, you know, that we realize that we're not so religious, but we're more spiritual because in the spiritual realm, you actually see certain things. Just like you talk about in the morning, you can hear things. And you talked about, you know, the things are there the same as they are four o'clock in the evening, but you can hear things. And, and so when you're in the spiritual realm, it's the same thing. You're centered enough where 
if you are the leader, as Bishop talked about, then you should be able to see what it is that the congregation in a, in a mass needs. And so I see that as, as, as that marriage, you know, to counsel to say, hey, at this moment, you know, we need to do, you know, th you don't say it, but you do things that invoke the tears. You do things that pull out the emotions that somebody, you don't know it, but you see it in the spirit that somebody has really dealt with something on yesterday or Friday or two days ago that they really need to connect with this. I was, I was sharing, I was in um, Baton Rouge and I was doing a, a worship service and I was sharing, I said, you know, sometimes if you just concentrate on one word, there was a song that incredible, incredible God deserves incredible praise. I said, but sometimes you have to really focus. I'm more of a technical person sometimes even when I'm in worship. I'm like, let's stop and think about it. What makes a person incredible? He did incredible things. So, so you look at it, you know, look at synonyms of incredible, magnificent, Awesome. You know, just I mean, you you really have to connect in order to pull it out to really find out who it is. And as men, we just don't want to connect on that level. It's too deep. But I think what has to happen in those moments, we've got to see other brothers having those moments. And like I said, in the in the beginning of this conversation is that if we see the pastor model this behavior, let, let me say something. I've had two pastors in my life. Uh, Lavert Taylor and Robert Murray, Robert G. Murray. Um, Lavert Taylor was a very boisterous, very, you know, fiery Southern pastor, you know, uh, very charismatic. Very, you know, the women in the church loved him, you know, and, and flocked, you know, flocked to him. Dr. Murray is very calming. So calming, but knows how to raise the level when necessary. So I've seen these two antithetical pastors right, who have led flocks in a different manner, but have allowed them, allowed the flocks to be together and show different sides of masculinity. So I grew up with this fiery preacher as a young kid, and for the last 30 years, Robert G. Murray has been this calming structure. Okay, now it's time for you to get your PhD. This is what you can do now. We have to be able to see these varied models of masculinity in the church, this support. I got love and support from both of them. My families have great relationships with both of the pastors. So I grew up with them in my home, eating dinner, you know, seeing them interact with people. Other men need to see men of faith, and it doesn't have to be the worship leader, but enjoying and being engulfed in the spirit to know that this is a part of being healthy. It is a part of being masculine. It is a part of being okay. You know, and I think that's the critical piece that I think that I'm hearing is that all of these things happen, happen, and we've got to get more men to church. What do you think are some of the reasons why men, because as a, as a pastor, your, your flock, what does it consist mostly of? Most of the church as a whole, when I speak to the church body in general, it's 80% women. Mm -hmm. It's 80% women. Um, now, to be, to be quite honest with you, um, some of it is our fault as the pastor. Um, for whatever reason, uh, especially when you know uh, that men are leery um, and question the whole idea of church, when something happens that paints a negative view of, of the church as a whole uh, that could have been avoided, right. uh, then men normally are the first ones to say, see that. What are some of those experiences? What, let's let our listeners know some of the things that drive men away from the church. It's three things. It's attitude, behavior, and conduct. Mm. 
when we find one of those things out of alignment, mm. the attitude of the leader passes on through the flock. Mm. The behavior of the leader passes on to the flock. The conduct of the leader passes on to the flock. Now, we, that is, uh, is what I tell men, everything that happens in your home as the leader is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to do your best to fix it. And it starts at the top. John Maxwell said in his book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, that nothing can go any higher than the lid. That if I have this bottle of water in my hand, no water can go past the lid. So the lid governs everything that's inside of the, the container. So the, the, the more the, the lid is stretched and moves up, then, then more things can fit in that particular glass. So it starts with leadership. It starts with leadership. It starts with the, the leader. It starts with the, the man of his house or the, or the woman who has the single, who's, who's a single woman in managing the family. It starts with the top. So it, it, is, it is easy to say, you, you, you. But it, it takes more strength to say, it's me that I need to change, whether I'm the pastor of my church or you're the pastor of your house, or Lila's the pastor of his house. You're the first pastor of your house, not me. Right. Not me. I'm, I'm only supposed to give you confirmation on the revelation that you've already received, and you go home and give illustrations to your family. He just dropped the mic on everyone. Yeah, then he throws the mic, right? He just dropped the mic. Yeah, he just dropped the mic. But... It's interesting to think about that because these are illustrations of healthy masculinity and understanding who you are and your role and that search, that search that we go through as men to facilitate our best selves. But there are some notions that the church, the pastor, can facilitate an unhealthy masculinity. How do you think that happens? He's out of place. Um, uh, Bishop Love talked about um, Maxwell's quote about the lid. Um, we have to we have to just like um you talked about you know being able to prepare for the next day that that really blessed me um and i keep going back to it because it's it's important to be able to understand that the man has to have the plan he is he is the leader of the household he's that lid and as temperatures change you know being around chemistry you know <laughs> the temperatures change um the lid can be knocked out of place by the elements and the, the temperatures of the elements. But if, if you know how to carry the entire thing to where it's supposed to be, there's sometimes this is not supposed to be on the stove and it's not supposed to be there for a long time. You know, so as God allows the temperature around you, you see where I'm going? The, 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 as, as, as God allows the temperature around you to move, you have to move with it. And, and, and it's not being stuck in the same thing. There are certain things that you would do in your household with your children who are five years old that you don't do with, the, with them when they're 15. You know, there's just certain things. There's just after you've had five years of marriage, there are certain things that change after 10 years of marriage. You know, there are certain, you have to be able to, to know how to do that and you have to be able to, to have that quiet time away from everything by yourself. Even Christ did that. He, he, he left his disciples and, you know, it, it just there has to be some time with you where you hear it clearly and you know when the elements change, you know when the temperatures change so that you don't fly 
like this lid right. out of place. Right. And and that is I think that's the point you that you're making is that when a pastor is out of place or his message is out of place. Is well, that what I'm hearing well, as well? well? Also also let me say this is that you know talking about the the elements that are in there when the when the temperatures start to change the elements the pastor needs to know what's what's in there. He, he he's the lid, he's the top. He needs to know what's in there. A lot of times you talked about your two pastors, but many times pastors don't and and this is this is not a rebuke against our wonderful pastors. It's just that sometimes they don't have that that point, you know, sometimes there's all sorts of other pressures around them and you know, they fall short. But even having ministries around you that complement things that you're doing and complement the vision. You may not personally be that charismatic pastor, but maybe you got a praise and worship leader that's charismatic, right. that takes people where they need to be, or, or that particular lead singer or, the, or musician staff or whatever it is. You have to be able to put the entire thing together. You are the leader. You're not the, the center of it all. Right. So what? Let me just reiterate before just reiterate the question. Okay. How does the church or you know propagate or facilitate unhealthy masculinity? Sometimes it's because we did not read the whole text. Read everything. Because what what we taught for a long time out of our own insecurities uh, is when it comes to unhealthy masculinity that women submit to your husbands, submit to your husbands, submit to me, submission, 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 and I get that. But we didn't read the rest of the text where it says, submit ye one to the other. Right, there you go. So I submit to your strengths, you submit to mine, because we're one, we're one. That's so we submit to each other's strengths. So it, what, let, let's sit down, let's have a meeting, and let's say, who does what well? What is the use of me managing the money when I don't money, manage money well and she's an accountant? Right. Then you do that. You do that. Um, we we over-preach where we are weak uh, to make ourselves look strong and we're actually killing it all the way down. Let me give you a practical point um, when it comes even to getting more men engaged in the church. Men are outside in. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Women are inside, inside out. out. So men many times will connect with a church when they see the pastor is more than the guy on the stage that that he does play basketball and if you come down the middle if you come weak we're going to make you feel it or he plays golf or he does something outside of the church to let you know that yes he's the leader but I'm a guy who who likes to play sports and and watch ESPN and watch CNN. I can talk about Donald Trump as well as I can talk about the fact that New Orleans just got Boogie Cousins. I can talk in all of these different arenas and not just be the guy that's telling me what to do and just preaching because men many times will be attracted from the outside in and then uh, and then hopefully bring his family along the way too. Right. But using that those mechanisms and those roads to be able to relate but also lead. I've got you. I've hooked you. The common man, Jesus, the common man heard him gladly. It wasn't, it's just, the, it's the everyday guy. Jesus was a guy. He laughed with his 12. He hung out. Right. 
He hung out with everybody. He went to the club. He went to the strip bar. He went everywhere with the wine bibbers and 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 the, and all the other people. And I think sometimes we made this huge separation between the pastor and everybody else. He comes in late. He leaves out early. When the sheep need to pick up my scent, <laughs> they need to understand my scent and, and understand the leading of the shepherd. You know, one of the things that that a lot of uh, a lot of us, especially in the church, we kind of shy away from the the passages where they actually showed how close Christ was to his disciples. I mean, they hung out in the boat. The, why was, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, they, I mean, in, in his laying in his bosom. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here close to Bishop Love. And, and I can lean on him if I want. I'm still, at the end of the day, we still walk out as men. You know, it's just like, I mean, we, I think we put too many focuses on proving that we are men. And it drives the men away because they, they have to, they have this burden to prove that I'm, I'm, I'm masculine. I'm, you know, I am who you think I am. It's like, it's okay. It's all right. You know? We, we can get together and do some things and be able to draw them together. But the relationship is, is the one thing that I say, you, you know, you, uh, Bishop talked about, you know, him being, being real. But that relationship that he had is what has drawn and it always draws. You know, just, just being able to connect, you know, and, and being able to have ministries where men can get together and have dialogue like this. That's, that's and that's I what we need. This. Yeah, that, and that's what we that's need. Right. I feel like this conversation could go on for another hour. Three hours. Exactly. <laughs> I want to thank you, brothers, for coming on uh, the show and discussing masculinity and religion and how it plays out and how we as men can begin to think about how we start our days, how we use that start to improve our lives, to improve the lives of the people that we meet, that to ensure that to be healthy, we have to think about that higher power and how it influences our life. So I just want to thank you. You've been listening to What's Your Revolution? I am Dr. Charles Corporal. I'm joined by today Prince Lau Henderson and Bishop Lester Love of the City of Love, talking about masculinity and religion. Today is brought to you by the wonderful support of the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Please tune in next week when we were joined by personal trainer to the stars, Monty Sanders, and Larry Irvin, co-founder of Brothers Empowered to Teach, for a conversation on athletics and mental toughness. And as always, I ask you, as you walk about your day, as you start your day, ask yourself, what's your revolution? Take care.